Welcome to Fractional.fm, episode 34. I'm your host, Lance Robbins, and always joined by Joshua Wold. And the two of us get together and talk about how we make a career and how we make a life that works well for us where we're at. How's it going, man? I'm actually feeling really good. I'm happy. I feel clarity and confidence in my work. We've got some ridiculous stuff going on with our car. It got totaled, so we have a couple of days to find another car. I didn't share that yet. (laughs) So the car, uh, Monica was in a little fender bender where someone hit her. They didn't have insurance, which is lovely. But our insurance has taken care of us. They've given us cash, and we now have a short period of time to find a vehicle, and we are down to a rental car at the moment for our family. Just what you needed. Yes, we're a little stressed with that. We're, we think we've found a vehicle that may work. We'll, we'll see what the coming days bring, and maybe we can extend out the rental car. We'll see how that goes. I am trying to just measure energy, and we've talked about this. On some days, you feel fantastic. The next day, you feel drained. And I'm on a drained day, even though I'm liking what I'm doing today. Is that a, do you feel that's a result of the periphery of work? car being crashed, whatever else like is going on? Or is it that work is demanding? Or is it because knowing that you're at the on-ramping phase, like that type of work is messy and more exhausting? It's, gonna, it's a little bit of both. The periphery outside of work is definitely weighing my wife and I down as we're just trying to like take care of more than normal in our lives. Uh, but with work, we're, we're pushing new project that we're trying to get done before Christmas break. It's completely unknown territory. We have no idea what it looks like. And so that's exhausting in a good way as we don't know what success is. Well, we know what the end goal is, but we don't know what it looks like to reach that. (laughs) So that is quite draining as well. And I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Finding my voice on this podcast, we've talked about we're getting close. We're kind of figuring it out. I keep looking for ways that this is a way for me to talk to you and solve my problems, but if it's helpful for other people that I can learn from that. So I don't know, my head's in a lot of places today. Yeah, I, I heard somebody say how, as somebody who has a podcast he's pretty proud of, was talking about how there's two kinds of podcasts. There's what he does, and then there's a guy in a mic in his basement. I've really enjoyed our conversation up until that moment, <laughs> but... Fair enough, right? Like our expectations aren't that terribly high. Uh, I'm not in. I'm not in a basement. Not in my mom's basement. I'm. I'm in my garage. So you know, come on. It is interesting that I'm. I'm not striving to make a form of media that will reach millions of people, but having a sizable number of people who enjoy it and follow up, like I'd be happy with that. That I'm not trying to figure out something that's mass market. Yeah, it it feels like there's just something simmering here that's not ready, or maybe it's in the oven, but like we're not taking it out to put on the the Christmas dinner table right now. Uh, It just feels like this is something that may mature into something really valuable outside of just for you and me, right? Because for you and me, this is valuable. This is fun. We solve our problems together. We laugh that you know, maybe somebody's actually listening to this. <laughs> and we know we know folks are, and we appreciate that so much. But yeah, maybe there's a point where this changes into something that's valuable for a much broader group. But I am in not a, like no big hurry or under any sense of pressure or burden that it needs to be that anytime soon. I was listening to Upgrade, a podcast by Mike Hurley and Jason Snell, and they were describing the journey 
that a new podcast will go through. This idea of you just need to spend a couple of years and figure out what your story is. And if you're successful, an audience may come. But if not, like, make sure you're still having fun along the way. And that actually was, for me, a very encouraging thing to hear. This is from someone who now does have a successful podcast. And I started following him 11 years ago when he was kind of brand new. So that was kind of cool. But enough with the meta of our uh, navel gazing. <laughs> Just something I've been thinking about. With the, with the periphery, with the stress, the new stuff, what are you doing? what are you doing to keep your body healthy? What are you doing to keep your mind healthy? What should other people potentially think about who spend most of their time sitting down thinking for their career? I just listened to um, a talk from, I, f- I forget the names, the person's name, but he described ways that you can make sure that you're productive at work. And at first I was worried that it was going to go into things that I didn't find useful, but several of them were really cool. One item he called out is if you want to improve your concentration and focus, one of the best things you can do is read long form fiction. Because you're forced to get into a flow state of the author's intention over the hours and hours of time that you sit down and read what they're writing. He gave uh, like seven bullet points, and that one just really stood out to me. And one of the things I've noticed is I've developed more long-term attention from doing this, and I've also developed more empathy as a, as a human because I've followed in situations through fiction for a decade plus now, my whole life really, and developing, figuring out what it means to be empathetic uh, in various circumstances. So that was the coolest one that really stood out to me. Others are just like taking care of your body, exercising, sleeping, but I'd never heard that one before. So it's, it's really cool. Is, do you think the same thing happens when you listen to books? When I listen to books, I'm sometimes distracted and doing I'm often doing something else. But if I'm doing the dishes or running or chores around the house, I imagine the benefit is there. I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine my brain is constructing a story arc, following it, tracking it over hours of time, that has that has to be a positive thing. Probably more micro interruptions through listening, but still the same. I think so. And frankly, I don't know too many people who can have multiple uninterrupted hours reading a book uh, without interruptions. So maybe there's a similarity there. I hear about people who are like, I read this book and I read that book. And they read the book book and not just listen. I'm like, do you not sleep? Like, oh, you don't have kids. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I will say uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, Steve, he, one of his favorite things to do late at night is sit down and read a book. When the kids are down, he has about, I think about an hour before when he, the kids are down and he's too tired. And he, instead of an infinity well scrolling through social media, like many of us do, he's like, I'm going to read a, a fun novel. Uh, so I don't know too many people that do it. So I'm calling out Steve as one parent with kids who does it, but I don't know many others. Kudos, Steve. Kudos. How does the new work that you're doing feel contrasted to the old work you're doing? I have now been at many types of companies, and this will actually tie in. I'll jump ahead to a further item down the line, which is uh, how does communication work at uh, various companies? You have companies where work only gets done when people are in a board meeting together talking, and you have to have 10 people in the room, and you have to have multiple hours booked on the board meeting, and it's got to be hot and stuffy, and uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm portraying a scene that I've been in before. <laughs> when you leave the board meeting, everyone forgets what you talked about, so you have to recap the following day in another meeting, and that's how the company gets stuff done slowly over time. 
I'm, I'm describing this in a way that that's not ideal. Then I've been at companies where you just try to figure out what to do and you have to pull it out of other people and they'll give you abstract, vague answers. And until you as an individual contributor actually produce something, you're not going to get any feedback. But once you do, you will get feedback that it's not good enough or that you, why didn't you think about it this way? And that's frustrating as well. So there's no communication whatsoever. What I'm currently experiencing is something in the middle. And this, this could just be the glow of a new opportunity and everything is feeling really good right now, right? I, I might a few months from now decide, oh, actually, there's some more challenges here than I expected. But right now, what's happening is I'm having a handful of calls, let's say on average, two to three calls a day on Zoom with my team. In those calls, we're figuring out what to do. And then I'm mostly left alone the rest of the day to figure out how to do it, share stuff asynchronously via Loom videos or sketches in Slack and getting some feedback async. And then at the end of the day, we hop on another call. At the moment, I'm really liking that because it's clarity on what I need to do to get something done. I'm still remote. I'm still getting all the benefit. I may say that that's too tiring. I'd rather one call a day or one every other day. But at the moment, it's very easy for us to, about three to five of us, group together, talk about the game plan. We check back in if, uh, later on in the day. I'm really liking it. I'm absolutely loving it at the moment. Mm, okay, I've got some follow-up questions. So what percentage of your new team is also remote? Or are they in a location somewhere? I think the majority of people go into a, an office. But of that majority, most of the time they're in some, they either stay home or they're in multiple office rooms or Zoom calls and all coming on together. So in the couple of weeks I've been here, I've only seen a few instances where two people were in a conference room together. The rest of the time we're all scattered. This is my team though. I don't know the I don't know other teams at the company. So my team, we are all effectively operating remotely, which maybe is why I'm really liking that. Right, right. So you're effectively operating that way regardless of location proximity. Okay, that's that's cool. Which probably follows up on your question of is if information being lost at corporate headquarters that I'm not getting remotely. And at the moment that does not seem to be the case. Yeah, what's your follow up? You're intuitive in that that's the vein I'm in, but I'm curious about the other direction. I've heard recently from a couple of managers that their direct reports who are not co-located with them they have no idea what they're up to, or if something that they talked about got done, or if it's in progress, or if they're blocked on something, and they feel like they're having to just extract information. I think you even said that earlier, like you're, you're figuring out how they can extract the information so they can gauge how this is going for their person, and they're struggling with that. So I'm curious, like, what is it that, that you're finding that works well? Actually, I was thinking about the direct reports trying to extract information from the manager, you're, you're thinking about it the other way around. And I think that's fantastic, right? It plays both ways. What I'm finding here is I'm working very closely with my product manager. So we're talking basically every day. He knows what I'm working on and I'm sending him updates. Let's say one or two updates a day. And then he's giving feedback immediately on that, those updates. And then the next morning we have another call and I should talk about it again. So uh, actually, maybe I should get him on here at some point. I'd be curious to like his perspective. But my sense right now is that the communication is working really well, that he has a sense of what I'm doing. Is there a common place that you... So, I, so when you say you give updates, let me just backtrack a little bit. When you say you give updates, what does that mean? Most of my career, it's been in Slack, and that's what it is now. I drop in 
here's something I did today, here's what that means. And I will include a rec video recording of myself talking on Loom for one to four minutes and show an actual design thing. I'll say, here's the designs I did today. Here's the context for why I'm doing it. Here's some open questions I have. For the last couple of years, my whoever my managers have been or founders, if I'm working fractionally, they, they look at those videos and they give me feedback. That's, to me, been the best way remotely I've found to share what I'm doing in a way that they can see it and actually get a sense for what I'm doing. Because if I just drop a link to a Figma file, there's no context. They don't quite understand my thought process behind it. And if we wait a day or two to have a call, you just lose so much information. So, so asynchronously, you're leaving like real life communication. Is there a is there a place where? And maybe maybe the answer is what you just described. But if I if I was your manager, could I be like, what's Joshua been up to the last couple of days? Would I just go to that Slack conversation and find those updates? Is there a platform where anyone could kind of pop in and have an idea of what's going on in your world? Well, actually, most of my career, there's been places where I share updates. I'll, I'll describe a few of them just to catch the whole spectrum of this. One is a Slack bot that basically asks each person, what did you do today? What were you blocked on? What, are, what, did, what do you hope to do tomorrow? Each person on the team answers those questions. So the manager can just scroll through each day and see. That way, if they haven't had a call in a couple of days, they can see, oh, Joshua said he's blocked or Joshua said he's going to get this done. I didn't see that get done. Let me see if he's okay on that. Let me see how he's doing. So that is the most typical method I see in almost all the teams I'm on is this kind of a daily stand-up idea. And a lot of, some teams do, at the moment, the team I'm on, we do it in a 15-minute call. And then we have follow-up Slack bots. But I've done both at times. And that seems to be, as an individual contributor, it's kind of a nice way each day for me to have two minutes to say, oh, actually, I don't know what I'm supposed to be working on today. And then I'll, I'll check with my team and say, hey, I, I need to fill out my daily update, but I'm not quite clear on things. It, if everyone is being honest and candid and trusting, it's a really great mechanism for accountability. And do you have some sort of like a sprint planning session where you kind of line out work over the next little while with your team? Like how would you, how would someone know what you might be intending to work on over the next little while? My philosophy as a previous uh, scrum master running sprints is that every team starts with the glorious idea of doing proper sprints and devolves into some variation of Kanban or get it done today and hope for the best. <laughs> In the last eight years, no, I'm going to go longer than that. In the last 10 years, I've only had about a six month period where I felt that sprints were run, being run correctly with velocity and with story pointing. Uh, and this is me spending several of those years running sprints. Most of the time, it just comes down to, hey, here's some tasks we think we need to get done. Uh, how long do you think it will take team? And then we'll try to get it done. And that's I say all this because I'm a little bit cynical because I've done Scrum, I've done Kanban, I've done ShapeUp, I've done a lot of these methods. Uh, waterfall, I've absolutely done Waterfall. None of it seems to actually stick. Yeah, so I'm I'm and I'm asking that because what I'm getting at is that there's probably not a one size really fits everyone for how you kind of lay work out and communicate work that's being done or is intended to be done. But the idea is that you intentionally do do something, right? And that can look like a number of different things for different teams. If you define a period of time to accomplish something and then you back into it with the amount of work you think you can get done, that seems to be one of the better ways to do it. Uh the worst way is we have to be done in a week. We have to do a hundred of these features. And 
uh, we have almost no budget for it. <laughs> so uh, I'd say like defining a time and trying to meet it with some variation of features. And of course, I'm speaking as someone part of product software development teams, right? That That's my background. So, so then like coming up out of that just a little bit then, thinking about more more general advice that you might give a manager as an individual contributor. So that way, like folks on this side can understand this is how it might work. Well, let me just take a, take a pass at this where having some clarity around what it is that you're trying to do, having an informed estimated amount of time that might take from the person who actually does the work, and then having some sense of a, a platform, whether that's a Slack channel, whether that's a spreadsheet, whether that's a Google doc or whatever, right? Where you're tracking and saying, here's what I intend to work on. Here's what I did work on. Here's what I need help with. Here's what was awesome. So that way a manager can pop in and not feel like they're trying to pull your teeth out to get information. Yes, I'd say that's an accurate take. And what I've found seems to reduce the stress of managers or founders, stakeholders in general, is the individual contributor proactively sharing out their own updates pretty regularly. It reduces a lot of stress like, hey, here's what I did today. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm blocked on. A senior individual contributor or junior being proactive on that front, the manager often can go, oh, okay, this isn't something I need to worry about. I can see, I'm, I'm seeing a habit of this person lets me know when something's going on. So the manager almost like in their mind says that person's good. I can now, I can give more attention in other areas that need it. Yeah. Proactivity, humongous, especially in a modern digital distributed hybrid remote whatever workplace like proactivity is gold where i've struggled is being proactive and trying to take my best guess at how to do something and being immediately shut down this has happened to me a number of times in my career where i get scolded publicly like you should not have done it that way that immediately destroys in an instant all safety curiosity and proactivity on the part of the individual contributor. The best way a manager can handle something like that, if they, if an individual contributor does something that is, let's say an honest mistake or an attempt that's misinformed, is to just be encouraging to say, hey, thank you for sharing that. That is fantastic. Next time you do it, here's a, here's a modification I would make and kind of leaving at that. So many times managers come along, this is from my perspective, and they're looking to stomp out any problems and fix them today, or they do say nothing until they feel it's so late they've got to fire the person. Um, and it, I just I've had some perspectives being a manager myself and in the IC of how you how you walk that journey together. Um, I, I think I've shared this example before, but I had um, I brought on a uh, another designer to work with me, and the stakeholder had some serious concerns about the designer, but I saw in them that they were a perfect fit. So I asked the stakeholder to back off a little bit to give me some time as their manager. And three or four months later, the stakeholder said, hey, this is this designer is perfect, Joshua. They are absolutely nailing it. And it's because I gave them some safety to kind of mess up a little bit for a couple of weeks. And I just gently said, hey, fantastic job on that. Next time, I would try tweaking it a little bit this way and give me another update in a couple of days. And they just blossomed on their own. You mentioned something a little earlier. You said the term infinity well. What do you mean by that? And how, how, is, that, how is that in your life? <laughs> Cal Newport describes in the book Deep Work that many of us have a hard time focusing and we become easily distracted. And we often will turn to infinity wells and 
An example is Instagram when you're infinitely scrolling. That's an infinity well. There is no end to the content. You can just keep absorbing forever. Uh, Netflix, YouTube, social media in general, Reddit, news articles, they're all infinity wells. Often what happens is someone says, oh, I, even if they're not thinking of this term, they says, oh, I'm, I'm going to stop the infinity wells. I'm going to just cut them off cold. And in most cases, I'm speaking from personal experience, you remove one only to fill it with another. I stop uh, Facebook, but I'm on Twitter. I stop Twitter, but I'm on Instagram. Or I stop all of those and I just waste time uh, reading the news. <laughs> and the thing that I've been thinking about is you can't just remove an infinity well. You have to replace it with something else that's good. Because your brain still needs that dopamine, still needs that positive feedback cycle. So I'm still working on it. I don't quite know how to fully do it because I haven't removed infinity wells entirely from my life. But what I have found is exercise, listening to books, spending time with people are awesome replacements for the infinity wells. Exercise, you kind of briefly touched on it earlier, but I could tell such a difference on a day that I'll work out in the morning just for my mental ability to stay engaged through a workday it's such a difference. Like like this morning, I ran for about 45 minutes, just felt pumped for the day and ready to be in it. I mean, and, and I'm like, I'm navigating some pretty heavy stuff with one of my customers. They're facing a really difficult challenge and it's emotionally draining for them and for me as part of that, as part of that team right now. So just, I don't know, coming in like the, infi- if the infinity well had anything to offer, it's gone so quickly. I, I guess the the chemical brain release from a forty five minute workout is a slow release <laughs> that that carries out through so much longer. That that's a great point because a a small hit on Instagram scrolling through a little bit, it feels good in the moment. It's not lasting. I I really like the way you're describing that. You, you it's like snacking on candy. You do not feel good from that. But a forty five minute run and. Replace your own exercise, anyone who's listening. For Lance and I, running is just one of our favorite things. It just makes your heart and body feel amazing for several hours after. For me, it contextualizes life. That no matter how hard my problems seem, a short run outside just makes them all seem a little bit smaller. Um, anything going on exciting for Christmas? I'm taking a week off. of Just hang out with the family. We'll have my family over for Christmas and try to do as little as possible for the 12 11 days that we're off and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Taking the week off as well between Christmas and new year's I have brother-in-law and father-in-law come into town to do some skiing, but our ski mountain has had six inches of rain in the last 48 hours. It really hurt the snow. So I don't know how the snow is going to be, but yeah, they're planning to come in a week. They may have to change their plans a little bit on, on when we need to get some more snow falling down up there. But yeah, hoping to get a little skiing in, uh, take a week off, and refresh the brain a little bit. That'll be nice. I think uh, it's a good place to end it. We'll both chat again next week. We will be taking off at least one week from the podcast in December, We uh, probably the last one. But otherwise, you'll hear from us next week. Thank you, everyone. All right. And we're always enjoy your feedback. So hit us up at email at fractional.fm. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.